Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. On this episode of Damsels in the DMs. I, I kind of want to know what Queen Victoria is up to. I feel like she, I feel like she was... She was kind of kooky. I feel like she, I'm not a history buff, but I think a lot was going on then and the streets were lined with poop. So maybe there's something there. This message is intended as a reminder that we are not licensed professionals, not psychiatrists or psychologists. If you have a serious problem, please seek professional help. The National Suicide Hotline is 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-8255. some damsels in the DM. Yes, queen. <laughs> Tell us what's the vibe. Uh-huh. What's the vibe? some damsels in the DM. Yeah. Please tell us what's the vibe. DMs, DMs, yeah we see them, yeah we read them. DMs, DMs, we don't need them, we just leave them. Please. Yeah. It's going down in the DMs. Bye. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Damsels in the DMs. I'm Lauren. And I am Osh. Hi Lauren. Hi Osh, you're recording live from your Paris apartment. I am. It has been such a crazy journey getting here. And now that I'm here, it like doesn't feel real at all. Do you miss us Americanos yet? I do. I do. I went back to London um, this last week and I saw my family and they were like, how's Paris? And I was like, I miss America. (laughs) (laughs) To everyone that asked me how's Paris. I'm like, it's good, but I miss America. I miss LA. I miss the convenience. I do. I really miss LA, but not enough to move back. For now. <laughs> For now. Until I book something. Yeah, or until, yeah, you become famous French actor and then all your jobs go in LA, so. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I love your thinking. Mm-hmm. I was just going to say, you've been going back and forth from LA to New York. I'm tired. Oh. <laughs> For me, one of the biggest differences between LA and New York is that in New York, you run into people from like so many various career paths, but in LA, like you really do have the sense that like everybody is kind of in the entertainment industry. At least I feel this way. Um, Like everybody you meet is like an actor or they do catering or they're in costumes, like, or they have a dream of being a screenwriter. Like LA is just full of these dreamers. And like when the strike was announced, I feel like the city, like, like lit up in a different way, you know, because people like, I think are really tired of the way that this industry has been affecting people's livelihoods and the um, discrepancy in income. So like, obviously, the strike was so necessary. But I also just think about all these people who have like centered their lives around entertainment and how like, this strike will really affect like so many career paths. Yeah, I feel like I've just been on my Instagram, I kind of wish I was there. But on my Instagram, I've been seeing all of these actors that I love so much and that I respect so much going out and just, you know, like supporting. And I mean, even though they make so much money, you know, they don't have to be there, but I love that they go there and they support and they are saying no to things like how um, Oppenheimer, Oppenheimer, the, they whole the whole cast like left um, their screening or whatever it was for them. They left it as soon as the strike got announced. They left the screening or what was it, their movie premiere? I think it was their premiere, but I feel like that's what's so special about this strike is that like 
I don't think people realize that even the most famous people like the Margot Robbie's, the Florence Pugh's, they're all SAG after members. And I think that's what's going to be like how we help both the WGA and SAG move through this is because like maybe the studios don't care about your average like you know young actor who's up and coming but they do care about getting a name attached to their project so the fact that the people who are you know on the higher caliber of what actors are making are also standing with everybody else I think that that's what's going to move the needle on this strike like I don't know if you saw the statistic but there are 87 members of SAG don't make it to the 26,000 mark. Um, and that means you need 26,000 a year through SAG to um, qualify for health insurance, which means that 87% of SAG's members are not even making it to health insurance. And like, it's just, it's just really sad. And I don't know if you saw the other statistic, I'm coming in here like expert scientist, you know, um, the other statistic was that a they had a discussion with the studios about AI and they want to use a background actor's image forever, even just for a 125 a day background actor rate. They said it was a groundbreaking concept that they had for AI to use background actors forever and just pay that, that pay them that one time. And I love SAG's response to it. They were like groundbreaking. I don't like, I think not. Yeah. Well, it's crazy. Yeah, like, you, if you acted in something for one day as a background actor, then they could be using your image like until you die, like on billboards or other films. Like if you had this great like cameo moment. And you get paid nothing. Yeah. How is that groundbreaking? I'm sorry. Like, I don't know what, like, why did you think SAG was gonna be like, wow, that's so amazing. Yes, we're so, we're all in for that. What is wrong with them? Yeah. And I, I also just think it's like, for people who are in this industry, like we devote so much of our lives to this. Like, I don't know how you feel, but for me, it's like the strangest thing ever to not be auditioning. Cause like, yeah. I just, we're in a constant hustle in this career. Like I walked by my self tape backdrop today and I'm like, oh God, I guess I could put you away for a bit. You know, like it's weird because you don't know what to do with yourself in a way, but I think the only answer is to go to the picket lines. If you're looking at your self tape backdrop, like me being like, when will I get to use you again? <laughs> Yeah, I, my, I, it's weird that I know my last audition and that was February 24th. 24th, you even know to the yeah. day. I know the day. And it's crazy because a lot of people, a lot of my actor friends, they have this around the same time in February. But then I see people posting on Instagram, they're like, oh, I have a big audition or this or that. I'm like, how the f are you getting on? Like, am I the only person that like, is not getting auditions but then I look at my other actor friends and they're like no we have not an audition in so long so I'm just very confused I even texted you I was like how are people getting auditions like I thought you know there was nothing going on but well the rules were wonky for a little bit because you could work on independent projects if you weren't working on a WGA sponsored project so things that weren't affiliated with the AMPTP were okay for a while and now I think it's like you just have to check what the status is of a SAG project, because like, I think some independent films are still okay. Like, for example, my project that we did was under the student film agreement. So you could still make student films, you can still do the micro budget. I think they're even allowing some of the SPAs, which stands for short project agreement to go through, which I think is good, because I do think some actors are going to go crazy during this time. And I think that like, you know, finding a way to help students in your nearby college by acting in their project, or even just like taking on doing a play with your friends. I think that that's going to be really important and getting everybody through this time. Yeah, I agree. There's gonna, I mean, we need 
to let out our creative energy in some way. And if we're not acting, if we're not, you know, auditioning, especially because that is 95% of our career, mm-hmm. we're going to go crazy. Like we definitely need something. So I think it's really smart to, I saw my, my cousin Shalini, who actually was on um, this podcast. She is in a play and I'm actually, I'm bad because I don't know what it is and how long mm-hmm. it's running for, but she did a play, which was really cool to see because she used that, you know, she couldn't do anything else. So she was like, why the f- not? Like it's still acting and it's going to be such a great way to get out there and have fun and, and still do what she loves, which I respect a lot. I know. I can't believe that the time that I randomly picked to go to grad school is the time that two strikes have happened. You know, like I feel like I'm yeah. going to be a student this year because I don't have any auditions to do. Literally, the time that I picked to move to Paris and also yeah. start theater school was like, such good timing on both of our ends which really goes to show you that you can't like base your life on this industry because it is so um flaky like you have to you have to have things going on outside of this career so that when strikes happen and things like this you're still staying busy yeah absolutely I think it's really important for like even if it's not and we've heard this countless times with all the guests that we've had on um even the ones that are acting coaches or casting directors they've been saying do something outside even if it's not like directly related to acting just do something and focus on something else that still brings you joy because this industry is so ridiculous like we don't know when the next time we're gonna work I don't know the next time I'm gonna get a paycheck neither do you so start looking for other ways to incorporate your creative creativity and ways that will still kind of hopefully get you a source of income but still you know make you feel fulfilled in your creative journey and speaking of being fulfilled in your creative journey our guest today is Kylie Brakeman and first of all a fellow Oxy person I mean she actually graduated from Oxy so she counts more than I do but (laughs) I still still love the vibes of um, reconnecting with people from Oxy and she was just so interesting to talk to because Speaking of how we're saying to get through these times where you may not have as many opportunities during the pandemic, she took to social media when she couldn't go be in her improv troops and, you know, making her videos on social media really helped to give her a kickstart. And that's, I think, exactly what we're saying in today's episode is just that, like, if you're not, if you're not being hired, if you can't be, if you can't be hired during this time period, then, you know, find a way to put your energies into something that does fulfill you. Yeah, a thousand percent. And guys, this episode is had the potential to be the best episode in the whole world. But of course, my internet crashed in Paris. So we have put together as much as we could salvage from this episode with her. Um, And if we hear you say that you want more, then we're going to have her on as uh, for a part two. Yes, please let us know in the DMs um, if you need a part two. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into it. Let's do it. Cool. Well, hello, Kylie. Welcome to Damsels on the DMs, the come up pod. How are you? I'm I'm doing great. I'm I'm here in New York. I'm sweltering and I'm having an amazing time. How about you? I am I- also here in New York and it is so freaking hot outside. I just walked my dog and you can already see the sweat just like still sticking onto my face. Yeah. Lauren, you said it's this hardcore yes. yucky out there. You said this yesterday, but you also today, same thing. You're in a sweatshirt. I know. I know. (laughs) 
I I can't get over it. It's because like, so I lived in LA for 10 years and I'm used to the mornings being like cooler and the nights being cooler. So when I go to walk my dog, I still reach for the sweatshirt, but I need to get over it and like adapt. I always do this. I'm also from LA. I'm used to that. I'm used to the like 30 degree temperature difference throughout the day. Yeah. So I'm always grabbing a, and I look out my window and I see rain. And so I'm like, oh, I have to grab a sweatshirt immediately. But then I go outside and I'm miserable because I don't, I, my brain still can't put together that 90 degrees and rain can exist at the same time. That's very foreign to me. Yeah. Yeah. So Kylie, please, can you tell our listeners a little bit about you, your journey into acting and writing and comedy? Um, Just basically, yeah, everything that you want to tell us. Yeah, of course. I, so I, I do, I do, (laughs) it's, I do comedy. I uh, have written for, I've written for the Tonight Show and a, uh, a spinoff of the Tonight Show called the Kids Tonight Show that was a late night show hosted by children. And I got there by way of, you know, improv training and going through the whole UCB Upright Citizens Brigade system Mm -hmm. and uh, being on house teams there. And then pandemic hit and so I started making videos and they started blowing up online a little bit got some got representation from it and then basically that all you know culminated in getting jobs outside that I probably would not have been able to access without you know posting so I I've been on I I've been on like the internet comedy game and then I also perform live as well but I do mainly characters So did the Tonight Show happen after you started posting online or before you started posting online? Uh, After. Oh, Uh, wow. The Kids Tonight Show was my first job in 2021. And then the Tonight Show was 2022. So a a year later, I jumped to the actual show. Wow. Did you have any idea that you would like start going viral in that way when you started posting online? No, I was kind of just trying to maintain like a visual resume, if that makes sense. Like, Mm. because I was trying to get reps all throughout performing live. I was like, I was at UCB for like a solid year doing, uh, being on house teams and, and stuff like that. And I would reach out to agents and be like, hey, does anyone want to meet with me? And nobody cared because I was just another like, another blonde improv comedian in a sea an absolute just like plethora of them and they were like well we already have these people why would we why would we need you and I'm like great point so it was the so I when when we all had to go inside I I love simplifying it in that way when we all had to go inside when a deadly pandemic hit I was truly just like trying to keep myself busy and make it look like I was still doing things and weirdly, everyone flocking to their phones instead sort of like gave me a leg up because I already sort of knew how to edit. I kind of had like a, an online understanding. I had like 3000 followers on Twitter, which is not a lot, but it, it it's enough to like sort of get the vibe, essentially. <laughs> and I think I got really lucky in in terms of timing and just like having just come off of doing a year of nothing but sketch and improv like like putting those skills to use right away. I I think it was a combination of, you know, luck, great timing, and, you know, having, having the training to, to be able to create something pop. Did you go viral on Twitter or on TikTok first? Twitter. 
Wow. I, my main my main grind was Twitter. TikTok is always something I've never fully understood and just kind mm-hmm. of like by happenstance, some of them went off. But like in terms of, especially in 2020, like all of the industry was on Twitter. And so they weren't really on TikTok for the most part. I find, I have, I give huge props to the people who are like really making it on TikTok yeah. because that looks hard like yeah I have 187,000 followers on there and that's nothing like in in terms of the how famous you have to be on TikTok to get stuff out of it like that that uh is such an accomplishment so I I really uh I I really uh, give props to those people I think well, Twitter so my, is a little more concentrated. Yeah. My measly 13,000 on TikTok is literally like having <laughs> one follower. <laughs> no, that's like, that's great. It's just like, I, I, I think in the comedy world, there's just so many of us. It's like my friend who is also like in a similar statute on TikTok or following was saying like, she was she was basically just like you know i'm having an existential crisis because how do you be famous when everyone is famous like everyone's yeah. famous and it's 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 a little freaky but this is the world we live in so when you got your reps they reached out to you on twitter no they they found my email i well a few managers found my email at once and they were all sort of circling like nobody wanted to commit until mm. um uh, one did, and I'm still with him. He's great. And then by through the manager, I got meetings with agents. So cool. you were posting on. So okay, so you were saying you were using Twitter. They were basing that they were basing like your acting skills. Were these just like managers for write for writing, or was it like comedy for, as well uh, across the board? Uh, it's okay, people who specialize in the comedy track, where it's like you take people who can act and write but like there's a different there's a different sort of path than I think like traditional like dramatic acting I mean yeah. it's all it's all the same but it's like I think there are there are certain like markers and certain like things you can do along the way like I I have reps who a lot of people like they're booking acting work but also like sometimes they'll be writers for late night shows or like they'll be doing mm. stand-up or they're performing live and so it's like there's all these other weird little checkpoints like showcases that are comedy specific and you know auditioning for certain shows so it's like everybody has their their little specialty it seems when did you move from twitter to tiktok or sorry not even to yeah because tiktok you have 187,000 followers that's a lot of followers yeah it was kind of like yeah (laughs) well I didn't really know what tiktok was in 2020 because it came out I feel like earlier in like yeah like 2017 I was shit okay yeah. yeah I was seeing ads for it on Facebook so that's how old, I guess I was still on Facebook when I first mm-hmm. learned about it but it was all these people who were just like I don't know what genre this is but it's like the people who act like cartoons like they lip sync to things and they have these really exaggerated facial expressions and mm-hmm. this I don't know if you'll be able to for the listeners who are listening on audio only but it's like they it's sort of like an anime cosplay type thing I don't know what it, exactly what to call it but they would they would lip sync to these songs that, and like, they would just like, sort of like freeze and they look like marionette puppets. So that was my entire impression of the app. That's all I thought it was. Uh, but then when I started going viral on Twitter, like my first, I don't know, like 
three or four videos uh someone was like you should put them on tiktok also and they a couple of them blew up here there a couple of bombed it's really like all or nothing on that app it seems like yeah it's either viral or it's like it's getting nothing two views yeah, yeah. <laughs> And that's what's happening to me right now. I have no idea what will happen when I post on it. Sometimes it does really well. And sometimes it like, it'll get like a a, a 0.1% of my followers will see it. And it seems like it has nothing to do with the follower count anymore. It's all like, just not random, but you know, based on other things, I guess. Yeah. But before the world of social media, you said you grew up in LA. Like, how did you get interested in performing in general in comedy that even brought you to like the UCB world? I was doing improv in high school. My dad is a, he's a commercial sound mixer. But before that, he did uh, stand up and improv and everything. So I was kind of like, I had an awareness of what it was. And my parents were like, you should you should do this. And so I, I auditioned for my high school improv team at like 15. And it was weird because the, in LA, like, or in, in my specific suburb, like our football team was pretty bad, but people would come to the place. Like, (laughs) and so it was, it was sort of like a fun thing where it was actually like, like, I, I feel like I got a lot out of it because we were we like had teachers who were sort of like closer to the world and were like, I feel like I got like weirdly good training for being a teenager. And then I went to college and sort of like, I I did improv there, but it wasn't really set up for that. Like I, I went to Occidental, very small school. I went to Occidental for a year. Really? When did you, what year? I was there from like 2012 to 2013 and then I transferred to USC. No way. Okay. Yeah. And and you transferred was that your freshman year and then you said no thanks? Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. And then what did you yeah, what <laughs> so did you study at USC? Acting. Okay, yeah. And I think that's the right choice. Um Wait, so what there, year did you go to Occidental? Or what, what I was there 2014 to technically 2018 but I graduated a semester early so technically 2017 because I was like I gotta get out of here and I gotta save thirty thousand dollars um so I just like loaded up on classes but yeah I it's it's a lovely campus and like if you can make the resources work for you it it works so you worked for the tonight show with Jimmy Fallon do you have any fun stories from working with the guests and with Jimmy? Yeah, it I I got to work on a lot of the games. So, I a lot of it was explaining like silly party games to people who were just so 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 famous. Like I got to uh explain it uh like password to Martha Stewart who was just so over it. She was so just like I've been doing this for a million years. I don't need anyone to tell me anything. And she was very like, I walk in and she's getting her makeup done and she just goes like, what is this game? I'm like, I am so excited to tell you, Martha. And (laughs) she is giving it like 20%. Like she is expelling absolutely no extra effort. And then she gets on TV and she wins the game so easily. It was like insane. And she's barely cracking a smile, just like, 
she could do this in her sleep. She's been in TV for so long. <laughs> I got to explain the dumbest game in the world that I pitched to Michelle Pfeiffer. And it was the most intimidating experience of my life because she was just like, she, like, I could see in her eyes. She and I both know, knew that this game was dumb as hell. And, but you still have to do it anyway. And that's, um, that's a lot of what late night is, is like making the most famous people in the world do really goofy stuff. <laughs> what is they the goofiest sell some game? Perfume, or they got to oh, like, yeah. you know, they got to sell some perfume. They got to promote that movie. So they have to play the game. Are all the games related to that, like specifically related to the guest that's on the show? It depends. A lot of times they well, we'll all it, they're always related to the guest. So we will a lot of times it's just old games that we've been playing for like since the show began, or they're like parlor games that have already been invented that we don't claim to have invented, but it is catered to them. A lot of times they will we will pitch like a new original game for whichever celebrity and it'll they'll send like a couple of pitches to their team where it's like oh here's um here's this new game that jimmy would like to play with you or you could also play charades and a lot of times mm. people will pick the old thing because they don't want they just want everything to go smoothly and they don't want to mess up and their images are like very calculated interesting i feel like I would want to play the more fun, you know, like games that the writers come up with because it just feels so fun. And who cares? Like you're on the Tonight Show. It's like you're supposed to be having fun. Like, I don't know why the image comes into play and why that really matters that much. Yeah, I think people just like don't like they don't have a lot of time and they, uh, mm. you know, I think. I think there was a there was a world maybe 20 years ago when talk show appearances were more wild and a little bit more free freewheeling. But now I think with social media and everything, it's like, why would I say a single thing that gets me? And this is not my like anti-woke, like tirade. Like this is like yeah. <laughs> just generally and like telling stories and everything. Like it seems like nobody wants to play around. Everybody just wants to do it straight and narrow. So it goes off without a hitch so that the people who are still watching network TV just see it and they go see their movie or whatever, but they don't want to go viral. I feel like that probably has to be the thing because also like thinking of the bigger celebrities that are like, you can take you can take any part of what they've said and just manipulate it in such a way that could really make them look bad or like make them look stupid where it's like mm -hmm. you're taking one part of a sentence that they said and you're now like what you said you put it on social media and it's like wow and then everyone's commenting like oh is this, this person so dumb like how are they successful like what do they even know anything are they educated but yeah that's so yeah. stupid first I want to know out of how many writers are there on your team that are pitching games so it it was divided apparently we had the biggest staff of any late night show at the time or that's at least what i was told we had oh god i don't even know how many there were like six monologue writers who just do monologue and then there's everybody else which is like 15 18 people and um but some are head writers some are supervising writers and they like focus on specific things but uh, and like people mm -hmm. develop their own specialties like 
certain people were <clears throat> a little bit more game focused and some weren't but yeah it, everybody kind of did everything for the most part like we all submitted topical jokes in the morning or like topical bits in the morning that would be in the monologue or new desk bits or games or sketches so it it really is across the board i think the tonight show has the most variation of the late night shows in the types of stuff that they do yeah because there are they do always want it like there's you know there's remote pieces and there's games and there's um like certain people like Kimball never does games like it's like they all have their own their own thing but there there is like a wide range of stuff to do on this show got it what were your working hours like I would get up at like seven and submit topical ideas from my bed that would usually take about an hour and a half two hours and then I would get on the train go to 30 Rock and then we would go in for our morning meeting which I think started at 10 and then um because pitches were due at nine each morning and because it's like topical it's like of the day so it you gotta be you gotta be up early and then and then the show tapes at four and so we would usually be out of there by like five. Oh no, show tapes at five. I would be out at like six. So as far as okay. TV hours go, definitely not insane. Definitely the like nine to five of the TV world. Like it it feels mm. very office vibes. Like it's very like, oh, we're doing a raffle. Come downstairs or like sign up for the secret Santa. Like it it feels <laughs> like you're in a uh, an office building for sure. I want to know, just segueing on, because I know we don't have that much time. I want to know a little bit about Artists on Artists on Artists on Artists, which I love that name. It's so fun. How did that come How did that come up? And can you just tell the listeners um, what the podcast is about? Yeah, so it's an improvised Hollywood roundtable podcast. So we basically like make fun of those like variety or access, not access Hollywood, Hollywood reporter roundtables where it's like celebrities talking to each other about their movies. And so it's hosted by me, uh, Jeremy Colhane, Angela Giratana and Patrick McDonald. And we all play like different characters every time. I was on a sketch team with them at UCB. And then obviously like we just talked through the whole pandemic and then we did this like zoom improv show together one day and then we're like oh we should like we should improv we, we should improvise together more like during the pandemic we should just like start a podcast and so yeah it kind of started from that we experimented with a lot of formats before that but uh we eventually landed on this and it's really fun we really we really like it so these characters i'm very curious about people's creative processes especially writers and comedians what does your creative process look like and how do you come up with these characters a lot of it is kind of like sort of mumbling a phrase to myself over and over and over again like if I if I catch myself saying something or like a certain physicality or a certain like a certain quirk like eventually if it if it sticks in my brain for long enough like I'll expand it out from there. Like, if this is true, what else is true? Like, if this person is, like, if this person is saying, like, only in New York, like, what else would they say? And, like, what job do they have? And, like, what do they do during the day? And sort of, like, using that to uh, improvise more jokes off of. My favorite one of you, and I think it might be the most viral one, I'm not sure, is the woman who doesn't have time to be cheated on. What was a phrase that came into your head when you were coming up with that character? 
Yeah, it's definitely my my most viral of the past, like, I don't know how long of of the new of the new videos of of the 2.0 yeah. of the of the new era where yeah. <laughs> uh but she yeah I I think that was just like sort of repeating a phrase over and over and uh eventually I'm like and I love playing just like old housewives or not old but like housewives who are just like rich and fabulous and a little bit transatlantic accent and uh kind of pilled out like I I really enjoy that vibe. I think I'm going to age into my typecast in about 15 years. So I'm excited. For I that. cannot wait to see you killing it. In fi- well, you're killing it now, but you're going to be killing it in 15 years. And I think that's going to be the best content coming out of you is because that's probably going to be you. <laughs> because then it'll be me. And then I, then I don't exactly. have to fake it anymore. Uh, oh my God. <laughs> if I'm still posting at 45, I, <laughs> well, I guess that might be how the world goes. I have no idea. I don't know what happens yeah. to people who are like, the internet is not old enough yet to, no. uh, to know, like it's, well, we have no idea what, what, like all the, all the kids. Kind of who are yeah. who were influencer kids are now like their parents made them be influencers at like eight years old and like dressing them up in little vests and hats and stuff like they're now just coming of age and going hey this was f-ed up so i have no idea like we we just don't know enough yet no because starting from now going into your 40s and 50s i don't know how that's going to work out but there are obviously like um leslie jordan oh the yeah 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 definitely he started very old like super super old in the pandemic and he blew up um so there's definitely a space for it but i don't know how it's gonna go from now in your 20s 30s into your 40s 50s 60s you 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 truly never know yeah you 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 never know and um it's never too old. It's never too young. Uh, the internet, it's the great equalizer. Everybody has a chance in a way, yes. a pretty, pretty democratic system. Usually, obviously it's f-ed up, but everything is. Yeah. Agreed. Completely agreed. So I want to get to your morning routine or anything that you do to keep yourself grounded. You have a lot going on. You're a very busy person. And I just feel like you are, you're growing and you're growing and you're getting bigger and you're only getting better, you know, I mean, not pretty high standard to start on when you're already really funny. Um, So to keep getting better is I feel like it's probably a lot of pressure because you're just competing with your past self. Um, Are there any things that you do to keep yourself, (laughs) anything that you do to keep yourself grounded or any morning healthy habits that you swear by? I I I wish I had any of those. I I'm not I'm very disorganized. I like every day is completely different. Um I definitely need someone to get me in check and get me on a routine because I do not have one. I I don't exercise. I should. I like having coffee in the morning. Um that's like kind of the only thing that like has to happen no matter what. I do like getting up early. I usually wake up kind of naturally around like 7, 7.30. And because I find that I start to like spiral around 1 p.m. if I hadn't done anything yet. I'm like, what am I? Who am I? What do I do? I've never done anything (laughs) in my life. And I think that waking up early and getting to getting to at least work on something right away uh, is definitely very helpful. And you live in New York. So to say that you don't work out is 
you probably walk around a lot so that still that counts is true. as a movement that is true yeah my, my so you do work out. does say that i walk like three miles <laughs> a day but that's just uh kind of from living life so it it's nice new york kind of takes care of it for so, me. oh yeah definitely because whenever i'm in new york i feel like i I can eat so much bread and gluten and carbs, but I feel like I'm the healthiest person ever because I'm walking so much. Yeah. 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 It's definitely like very, very on the go. Everywhere you walk feels important where you're like, I'm on the way to the bagel shop. Yeah. It feels like productive, even though you're not actually doing anything. Agreed. I am going to ask you the DM of the week question. I think this is a perfect time to ask it. If you could have a roast session with any historical or historical figure, who would it be and why? Oh my gosh. Okay. Okay. I'm like, I, 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 I'm not a, I'm, I'm not a stand-up or a roast comedian by any means. So I, I won't claim to do a good job, but I, I think I could take Jesus. Maybe I feel like there's a lot, there's a lot there. <laughs> I, I think there's a lot there. There's I a think, lot. There's a lot to I work with. He's goofy. Yeah. <laughs> Or how about if you could um, pick any character based on a historical figure or, you know, a celebrity who who's your favorite or who would it be? Like a like to make a character off of or to. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, my gosh. Uh, Let's see. Well, I want to know what I, I kind of want to know what Queen Victoria is up to. I feel like she I feel like she was. Yeah. She was kind of kooky. I feel like she, I, I, I'm not a history buff, but I, but I, I think a lot was going on then and the streets were lined with poop. So maybe there's something there. I, I hope that you do actually work on that because I would love to see that. Yeah. Yeah. Just a queen, the queen, well, of poop. queen, queen of poop. Yeah. Girls. The queen of poop. Just, of you know, being the biggest pooper ever. Yeah. Easy. It writes itself. It does. Well, Kylie, thank you so much for tuning in. It's been such a pleasure to have you. I don't know how much we got, but we got something. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank you for thank you for having me. It's been a blast. All right, everybody. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Damsels in the DMs. As always, please subscribe, rate, review our podcast on Apple, on Spotify, on anywhere that you can find our podcast. We love hearing from you guys, so please keep sending us your DMs as well. Yes, and that is all from us. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Damsels in the DMs. Until next time. It's going down in the DMs. Bye. Bye. DMs, DMs, yeah, we see them. Yeah, we read them. DMs, DMs, we don't need them. We just leave them. Please. Yeah. It's going down in the DMs. Bye. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.